Welcome to another edition of Bayou Business Download, a podcast from the Greater Houston Partnership where we dive into the data and analytics influencing the region's economy. I'm your host, AJ Mistretta, and I'm joined today by Partnership Vice President of Public Policy, Lindsay Munoz, and our Senior Vice President of Research, Patrick Jankowski. Today, we're going to discuss the U.S. Census and the important part it will play in the future of our region. We'll discuss what types of data are collected in the census, how that data is used, and where our region stands today in terms of census response for 2020. Patrick, Lindsay, thank you for joining me today. AJ, thanks for having me on board. Thank you so much, AJ. Before we get into the conversation, Lindsay, this is the first time you're joining us. Talk a little bit about how the partnership engages in public policy work specifically and what your role of advocacy entails. The partnership public policy team engages with our members through numerous committees that oversee specific policy, such as healthcare, education, higher education, energy, and sustainability, to name a few. Through these committees that we work on, uh, we develop policy recommendations that serve us on the local, state, and federal levels. And so what that means is by taking in information from our members as to what we feel that the partnership and the stance that the partnership should be taking, we then translate that into our advocacy efforts with Houston City Council, with our Harris County Commissioners, and with the state delegation and our federal delegation. And so my role within the Partnership Public Policy Division is really to take those policies that our committees um, really weigh into and develop on behalf of the partnership out into the community to make sure that we are representing the, the Houston business community at its best. Lindsay, talk about why we actually have the census to begin with and why it's so important in the work that we do in the spaces that you just mentioned. Just a little background, the Constitution actually requires that everyone in the U.S. be counted in the census. And by law, the U.S. Census Bureau can use your responses only to produce statistics. So the census data that is collected from the form that you fill out is actually used to allocate U.S. House seats and about $1.5 trillion in federal spending. Thanks to, to rapid population growth that Patrick will talk about later, that means the state could gain three seats in the U.S. House for the coming decade. We currently have 36, and that's actually more than any other state in the U.S. A little, little side note for this is an undercount of just 51,000 people in Texas could be the difference between getting two seats or getting three seats in our Congress from our delegation here in Texas. So it's a big deal. Let me also just state that there is an organization, a statewide nonprofit called Texas Counts, that was created to promote a complete census count and estimates that Texas stands to lose about $300 million every year for the next 10 years if just 1% of the population is undercounted. And I just want to underscore that again, $300 million every year for the next 10 years. That's huge. So let me, I just also want to talk about some of the things that the federal funds are are used for. And there's a, a laundry list of federal money that comes down to the state and local levels that benefit all Houstonians, all Harris County residents, all uh, Texas citizens. The spending programs that are guided by the census are things such as Medicare, 
Medicaid, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or as we know it, uh, SNAP, Highway Planning and Construction, the National School Lunch Program, School Breakfast Program, Crime Victim Assistance, Career and Technical Education. And again, this is on a laundry list of funding that our state will lose if we are not adequately uh, represented in the U.S. Census. So, Lindsay, let's talk about the kind of information someone might actually find on a census form. So, getting to the form itself, there are actually 12 questions total, although depending on the size of your household, it might take a few more minutes to complete as the Census Bureau wants to count every single person in your house. So, for me, it took less than 10 minutes, and usually it's 10 to 15 minutes for someone that's completing their their response. It's actually available in 12 different languages, and the questionnaire includes basic questions about each person in the home. Now, there are legal protections to ensure that the data collected during the census is kept confidential. It cannot be traced back to any individual, and it can't be shared with other government agencies or outside groups. I do want to point out for for our listeners, what is not on the questionnaire? And these are things that are commonly worries for people that might be filling out their questionnaire. So let me just um, lay out what is not on the questionnaire. Your social security number is not going to be asked. You are not going to be asked to contribute any kind of money or donations. You will never be asked for anything on behalf of a particular political party. And you will never have your bank or credit card account numbers asked of you. And and also, there is no citizenship question on the 2020 census. This was something that was of much debate last year, and I just wanted to put out there that there is no citizenship question on the 2020 census. All right, thank you. Patrick, I want to bring you in here. How does the census directly impact our community as a whole? I I want to build on something that Lindsay just said about how important it is that we get an accurate count for appropriations of money. Because if we do not get that appropriation, that means one or two things happens. For one thing, we don't have enough to serve the needs of the community. And so a lot of people will go underserved. The other thing is, if we don't get a certain amount of federal funds, we may have to raise local taxes to make up the difference. So it's so important that we get counted properly so we get as much federal money as, as is coming our way so we can meet these needs in the community. And building upon what Patrick just said, AJ, I will also reiterate that on the state level, we are dealing with a huge deficit based on oil, falling oil and gas prices and for the, the impact that the coronavirus has had on our economy. And so our state legislature is going into the next legislative session with a huge deficit to fill. And so if we don't have additional monies coming in from the federal government, that leaves a big hole in our state budget that needs to be filled or cut. Patrick, how does this directly affect the business community? The the census data is very important to the business community because a lot of decisions are based on population. You get companies that want to be in a market that is growing. You want companies to be in an area to where there's a sufficient population to support their operations. If you're looking at, in Houston, we have a lot of chemical plants. We have a lot of manufacturing operations. We have a lot of warehouses, a lot of, a lot of different back office operations. When companies are trying to make a decision, where do they relocate? 
One of the key factors is population and the demographics associated with this. The Census Bureau, the census that we're getting ready to, to do or that we're in the middle of right now forms a baseline for decisions. It's not the only factor which is considered, but it's one of the prime factors which is considered is population when we're looking at where to locate something. As we talked about earlier, one of the biggest things the census does is take an overall count of the people in municipalities across the country. Patrick, I've got to take the opportunity here. We always hear about Houston being on the verge of overtaking Chicago as the nation's third largest city in terms of population. Can you go ahead and address that? Because I know it's a pet peeve for you. Oh, gosh, AJ, that's one of those myths that would not die. I've been trying to slay it for years, and no matter how well armed I am with data, I still see it popping up. I mean, let's go back. The myth started first uh, arose during the early part of the fracking boom, and that was a time when the econ Houston's economy was booming. We were adding, the city was adding population at the rate of about 40,000 a year, and someone made the false assumption, well, let's just extrapolate that. And we didn't take into account that population ebbs and flows. I mean, back then, the gap between Houston and Chicago, the city of Houston, the city of Chicago, was around 500,000. And so you can see, yeah, if we're adding 40,000 a year, we could close it. Well, Houston's not growing as fast. Chicago's kind of flat. Right now, the gap is 375,000. So over a decade, we've only closed about 125,000 of that population gap. I looked at the data for the last four years. At the rate we're growing, if Chicago continues to lose a handful every year, Houston's population trends the way it has the last four years, we're looking at 25 or 30 years before we overtake Chicago. So yeah, so when you say, yeah, we're going to take it over soon, it depends on how you define soon. If you define soon as, as 30 years, I guess in geologic times, 30 years is short. But if you can define soon as a normal career, it's a long way away, baby. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's, it's so funny. We, we just saw this actually appear in an ad uh, over the weekend, you know, this, this idea of, of overtaking Chicago. So it's, it's one of those myths that, like you said, just won't die. It's something people want to believe, and that's the problem. When it's something people want to believe, it's hard to get them to believe otherwise. Thanks, guys. We'll get right back to the conversation. But first, I want to acknowledge our sponsor, Bayou Business Download is made possible by PNC Bank, which is proud to support the Greater Houston Partnership. PNC believes that giving back to their customers, their employees, and our community is the right thing to do. Visit pnc.com slash about us to learn more. The PNC Financial Services Group, Inc., all rights reserved. Lindsay, where are we right now in the actual timeline of the census, and why are the next few weeks critical as you see it? Well, AJ, I have to tell you, the actual timeline has changed so many different times during our census for, for the count. So where we are right now in the actual timeline is there was an, an original extended date early on in the, the coronavirus pandemic that extended the, um, the census to October 31st. So everything had to be counted by October 31st. And then recently, the administration moved that date up. And so September 30th, 2020 is our new date. And what that means is that right now, not even three out of every five households in Texas have responded to the census. As of this week, the nationwide response rate was 34%. 
By the same time in 2010, which is the last time we did the census, it was 46.5%. And in 2010, the response rate went up on an average of about 3% a day, and now it's going up around 2% a day. So this new date and the, this expedited timeline that we've now been given is basically like trying to pack for a flight that leaves at five o'clock or what you thought was at five o'clock. And now you've just gotten a text indicating that it's leaving at noon. So you're probably going to forget something at home. And, and that sense of urgency coupled with a pandemic where you are telling people to social distance, but then we are trying to count the most underrepresented communities that are already fearful for people that are coming to their homes. And we're wanting to make sure to get an accurate count. It's, it's kind of the perfect storm of, we need to make sure that we're connecting with people, but we're also trying to make sure that we keep people safe. So what are local, state, and federal officials most concerned about as the data collection period winds down? So I will tell you, AJ, there has been a lot of commotion in the last week um, on the local, state, and federal level. So a few different things that's happening right now. As of actually uh, yesterday, there was a, a letter that was pinned to the Texas congressional delegation that was from the Texas Legislative Study Group, which is a, a Texas House of Representatives caucus. And they are asking the Texas congressional delegation to call on President Trump to delay the deadline to respond to the census until April 30th of 2021. Oh, wow. And in addition, they would like Congress to assign an independent, apolitical institution to develop metrics for judging whether the final census numbers are reasonably accurate. So that is a big ask and obviously moving it from September 30th to, uh, to April 30th of next year is quite the leap. At the same time, we also have last week members of the Texas House sent a letter to Governor Abbott requesting that he create a statewide complete count committee by August 30th to ensure an accurate census count. And this has actually been done a couple of different times before in our state's government. And so it's not something new, but it's really putting an effort into if we do only have until September 30th, to get an accurate count, we need all hands on deck and we need some additional resources there. A delay in census counting because of the coronavirus pandemic could push Texas redistricting as well uh, into a legislative overtime next summer. And so state lawmakers use the detailed census data to redraw political districts and to adjust for population growth so districts are roughly equal in size. Currently, the, the Texas Constitution indicates that the state, Senate, and House maps must be redrawn by the legislature at its first, and this is in quotes, at its first regular session after the publication of each United States census. So when we're going into a legislative session and we keep pushing the goal line back further and further and further, that does not allow our Texas legislature to do what they are constitutionally required to do. So the, the delay in that timeline would actually kick the delivery of data to Texas lawmakers to at least July, if not beyond, depending on when we're able to get that information. Um, and, and that's past the, the next schedule of legislative session. So chances are we would be going into 
a special session. If they do not agree on our maps, that also pushes into something called the Legislative Redistricting Board, which is a five-member board that steps in to draw state, Senate, and House maps if lawmakers can't redraw them during a regular legislative session or a special session. So there's quite a bit going on on the state level. I'll kind of bring it down to, to a local level to, to Houston and Harris County. And yesterday it was actually published that Harris County is joining a federal lawsuit trying to keep the census count going until that original October 31st date. Um, Harris County and, and specifically two, two county commissioners have actually signed on to that lawsuit. And it, the lawsuit states that the shortened schedule is unconstitutional because it will not produce a fair and accurate count. Reaching back a little bit back into last year and back into May of 2019, as people were trying, as we are trying to get people to complete their census form, Harris County actually appropriated last May $4 million from the budget for outreach efforts to get its residents to respond to the census. And the city of Houston also appropriated $650,000 to those efforts through a, an organization called Houston in Action. And actually, as Houston City Council meeting, they appropriated another 175,000 for these efforts. So you could see on the, the local level and, and moving up to the state and federal level, the, the need to get this accurate count is there and present. And I think that it goes without saying that everyone needs to be counted, regardless of your citizenship status, because as residents of the state in this country, we all use our educational system. We all use our roads. When we get sick, we all go to the hospital. And so regardless of whether you're an R or a D, these, this money is needed to make sure that day-to-day -day life experiences are able to be paid for. And that's why it's so important for us to make sure that we get an accurate census count. Awesome. So Patrick, historically speaking, what have we actually learned from the census in the past here in Houston? Absolutely phenomenal growth. It's you may drive around town and think you're seeing it, but the census actually confirms it. If, if you look uh, at the first decade of this millennia, 2000 to 2010, uh, the region added 1.2 million people. Based on projections, if we get an accurate count from the Census Bureau, we're thinking that maybe we had another 1.1 million this last decade. You go back to the, the decade, the last decade of the last millennia, I'm talking about the 90s, looks like we added just shy of a million. So that's one thing the census data is telling us is just the rate of growth in the region gives us a firm measure of what's actually happening rather than this sense that the region is growing. So Patrick, as we work to recover from the pandemic, what does Houston stand to lose in your estimation if we don't have a strong showing in the census? We stand to lose money. We stand to lose a lot of money. Right now, every economy across the U.S. is struggling. And so we want to make sure that whatever appropriation comes from the federal government, we get bluntly, frankly, as much as possible. We need that injection of those funds into the community to help keep the economy going, to help the, the county government, to help the state government, to help the city government, to help the school districts. Because the money's not going to be there, or there's not going to be as much money available from local taxes as there would have been in a healthy economy. 
So we really need an accurate count so we get our full appropriation from the feds so that it helps us continue to, to grow the economy or at least uh, ease some of the pain that the economy is currently going through. So Lindsay, if listeners have not yet filled out the census, what do they need to do ASAP? So there's actually two different options here. You can call 1-844-330-2020, or the easier, and what a lot of people have been doing, is to actually get online and complete it online. And you can do that through the website. Go to www.my2020census.gov. And that will take you to a link. You complete it all online, push send, and you are done. Awesome. Patrick and Lindsay, thank you both for joining this conversation today. Uh, Thanks for having me on, AJ. Thanks, AJ. And that's it for this episode of the Bayou Business Download. Thank you again to PNC Bank for helping make this podcast possible. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can do so by visiting the podcast page at houston.org. You'll also find links to recent data and news releases. We are also updating our coronavirus resource page daily with links, articles, and tools geared toward the Houston business community. You can find the link on our homepage or go to houston.org slash coronavirus. Please continue to follow the directives from local officials and health experts. Thanks again for listening to Bayou Business Download.